0: Uh... <laughs> and welcome to the JLA cast, a podcast in which we revisit Grant Morrison's legendary run on JLA, arguably the greatest superhero comic ever written, one issue at a time. My name's John and I'm the writer and creator of Afterlife Inc.,
1: and I'm PJ and I am the writer of the graphic novel adaptation of Steve Jackson's the Trolltooth Wars and John I think we should say this episode is a re-revisit Th-
0: this is this is a cur- this is cursed audio PJ <laughs> Oh it really is uh, if you're listening to this you 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 may be in Hades or something like that I don't know like it, it's just been such a journey getting here I mean it is October so we're in the Halloween month so oh, yeah. we're clearly uh haunted haunted audio We got haunted oh my god we got haunted um so, yes, PJ, what happened?
1: Well, um, we uh, recorded, in air quotes, a whole episode about JLA issue 10, um, the first chapter of the amazing Rock of Ages storyline uh, by Grant Morrison and friends. And um, for some reason, a good hour or so of my side of it didn't actually record. We don't know why. Everything looked fine at my end i think at some point i did kick a wire and things looked weird for a
0: moment but yeah yeah i don't know what happened yeah it was bizarre because it it was it was the opposite like you you didn't like it's normally like things start out fine and then they fall apart but actually it was like we lost the first half you kicked the machine and then unknown to both of us it started working correctly i guess yeah I I don't know if maybe I hadn't connected something
1: properly and then when I nudged it that sort of fixed it or I I don't know. I have made sure everything is fully properly connected up this time. This is this
0: is not happening again. No, no, we are despite all evidence to the contrary, we are not unraveling, we are not disconnecting. We're doing it this time. We're going to we're going to power through. Um, despite the fact that we were meant to be recording this morning and then we found uh, a wild open reach engineer in our garden um, who, unannounced, was kind of fiddling with the side of our house. Because uh, we have had some internet problems, and bless him, he was here to fix it, which was great. Um, but he did have to turn off the internet for a bit. Uh, so, this is take the third, I guess, of this one episode. <laughs> one
1: episode. This is the thing. Rock of Ages is um, my personal favourite storyline in the whole of the Morrison run mm-hmm. on, uh, on JLA. And us talking about it was going to be too good for the world. And the world is trying to stop us putting it out there because nothing can ever be this good again. Um,
0: and I, I guess one kind of uh, hidden, you know, kind of like the, the silver lining to this cloud is, well as as we've already discussed PJ and I guess we'll just have to explain it again um this is a bit of a weird issue in itself yes in that it's kind of part 1 of Rock of Ages it's also kind of a prequel the version in the graphic not the graphic novel version we're reading includes a prologue which was actually previously an epilogue to the previous story and it has a weird tie-in to events which will not be referenced at all in the coming story.
1: Yeah, basically. It's, um... the So, the funny thing about this trade is, um... Yeah, the front cover, first of all, you get a nice shot of the League, uh... on the front. Superman and Batman in the back, which I quite like, so the rest of the League. Aquaman front and centre, then Flash and Green Lantern, and then Jean and Wonder Woman. And, uh... You also get the roll call in the book, which takes you through the members of the League, including Aztec and Green Arrow, who didn't make the cover, which is a shame. Um, and then the villains in the book as well. What is weird is that Wonder Woman's on the cover and has an entry in the uh, roll call, because Wonder Woman's dead. She was killed by Neron.
0: Uh yeah, one, yeah, Wonder Woman's uh, yeah, super dead super dead um that was in the pages of her own book wasn't it
1: it wasn't i've never actually read the story so i don't know the details of how she dies i know that she's killed by Neron, but effectively i believe um zeus doesn't let her go to the underworld He he basically raises her
0: up to mount olympus and she becomes the goddess of truth yes uh and that was um that was at the Hands of that was John Byrne, was it not? I think he, he, yeah, he was. He was definitely writing Wonder Woman at this point. Um, got more to say about that, but that's for later. Well, indeed, Well, I think we could we could we maybe kind of touch on that very briefly now. In that, there is an event happening, kind of simultaneously or about to happen in the world of DC, about to happen, in the, yeah. the world of DC Comics, uh, called. Genesis, yeah, and Genesis is not part of the JLA continuity. We we not we weren't going to really touch on it. Um, we're certainly not going to be reading it as an issue. But PJ, you've done a bit of research for this episode because uh, it's it's an unavoidable tie-in to this episode.
1: Yeah, JLA ten sets up Genesis um, or tries to. Huh. I had never read Genesis before because I heard it was awful. It's basically the crossover even DC tried to forget. Um, But because I want to do this properly, I bought all four issues on Comixology and I read them yesterday. So um, we will get into that. But yeah, this issue, as well as being part one of Rock of Ages, is also meant to, to be tie into and almost set up the Genesis event. So you get a bit of that in there, which makes no sense if you're just reading Rock of Ages on its own as, as a collection.
0: No, and it's ne- I've never read Genesis and... Don't, don't. <laughs> and this has never made any sense to me. Like, there's a throwaway line in a later issue which basically says, well, I'm glad that's all wrapped up. You know, like a kind of just... And and then something happened off frame and everything was resolved. But that's it. Well, there's here's the thing. And through Rock of Ages...
1: I've, now, having read Genesis, I can tell you there's actually several references to it throughout Rock of Ages. But I do, you know, really, I don't know how far in advance these issues are all prepared and everything. So I, I get the impression Morrison knew Genesis was happening, had written Rock of Ages, and then sort of formed little bits of it around what was going on in Genesis here and there. Um, And then these issues were presumably ready to go, or at least at the stage where he couldn't really change the script anymore. Genesis came out, and then it was like the months after that, the fan reaction is when DC then kind of decided to forget it. But probably the first two or three months after it, there's not really much they can do about stuff referencing it, because those issues are prepared, they're done, they're ready to go. So actually, there's there's more references than I thought.
0: Oh my god, so, so could you could I mean for I I I'm selfishly now, this is almost for my benefit more than the, the the readers. Um when we when we're going through Rock of Ages, could you like oh, I will. have like a special yeah. whistle or something to like flag up when a when a Genesis reference happens?
1: Um I'll tell you what, whenever it happens, I will play the opening bars to Invisible Touch by Genesis. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh sure, and I'll I'll definitely fix that in post. When we go through it. <laughs> So I think I think um I think the plan for this episode is, and this will become apparent as we get through it, uh we're gonna we're gonna talk about this issue of JLA, and we're still gonna cover it in detail, but we're gonna move a little quicker through it than than we normally would. If only because we've covered it once before.
1: Even though you never heard it. Even though you
0: never heard it. Uh and and of course, like the second take is always better anyway, you know, you've you've refined it. Um and then I think we're gonna have a brief little discussion about Genesis at the end of the episode. If that yeah. sounds, I'm gonna tell you a story. Oh my god! I, I'm this is like story time with PJ. I'm so I can't wait. This is gonna be so
1: exciting. Oh, believe me, there there are things I'm going to tell you about Genesis that are going to anger you, John. I know this to be a fact.
0: Well, I mean, I've I'm, I'm strapped up to. Uh, I've got my pulse being read here by the machine. Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty calm. I have a I have a notoriously low pulse, so yeah, I'm pretty chill right now pj so we'll keep an eye on those on those figures throughout the episode um so with with all this kind of prefixing and you know footnotes and all this, all these disclaimers are we ready to dive in
1: yes we are and we start with a prologue uh which if you're reading along with us um if you're reading in trade form it will be two pages at the very front of your book if you've been reading the individual issues you've already read this because it was actually the last two pages of jla issue 9 yes
0: yeah, so yeah it's weird what can we say i i don't know why they did that but there we go cuz yeah
1: i i don't know either.
0: <laughs> <laughs> editorial woohoo uh but yeah so um this is a a prologue, and we are high above the Earth. Um, in, I guess you could say, a sinister space base kind of thing, a satellite, if you will. That is how I would describe it. Being a being a man of science,
1: <laughs> yeah, I am a scientist if I pretend sometimes.
0: Uh, yeah, so we are high above the Earth in a in a kind of spooky, sinister, evil, genius kind of kind of orbiting lab and um there is a star orbital lab going by that's STAR which PJ Scangs for oh man <laughs> you've had you've had a whole week to revisit this
1: <laughs> yeah but i forgot that you'd be testing me on it so i didn't revise
0: uh just name a member of a hyperclan and i'll let you off protex protex is great uh okay so a star orbital lab is uh complaining that there's nothing here There is absolutely no large orbiting body and anyone who says otherwise must have been smoking something they shouldn't have. Uh, However, there definitely is a big orbiting thing and there are some sinister figures on board it.
1: So they've all been drawn, and these two pages are by Oscar Jimenez, who did issue nine, not by Howard Porter, who's going to do the rest of what we're covering today. Um, But they're all in shadow, so it's hard to make them out, but it's obvious who a couple of them are. So you've got, well, let's face it, pale face, big grin, suit, flower. That's the Joker.
0: Uh, I mean, it could be, PJ, but you honestly can't say with any certainty. I can. I'm trying to think of, I'm desperately trying to think of one of DC's many, many rip-off Joker characters. And <laughs> I was going to say, is it the, the smiling man or the laughing man who briefly appeared in the short-lived New 52 Static Shock series? Question mark? I didn't read it, so I couldn't. Nobody, tell you. nobody did. It was killed by editorial. Um, right, terrible shame. Uh, but yeah, it's, it might be the Joker.
1: Uh, and then one of them is a bald man. So let's just go with Lex Luthor.
0: Oh, PJ, and there's a woman.
1: There's a woman. Could be anyone. The woman on the team, because every team needs one, <laughs> the, except the JLA at the moment. Because when Wonder Woman died, they were like, "No, we've got. Yeah, you know, we've just recruited Aztec and Green Arrow. We can't go recruiting anyone else. So it's all men."
0: it's a it's a real super sausage fest at the moment it's it's all white men except for Jean who's green um and on well speaking of green uh, speaking of, uh, on board this kind of um spooky spooky space lab which is lit in sinister green tones uh the bald man uh basically tells everyone to uh you know get ready stations please uh and he tells everyone to I don't know, he says something weird. He goes like, okay, there's the on switch for your headsets can be located in the chin strap. Try to keep the death toll to a minimum. And someone presses a button and you see the JLA appear. But they're not the JLA as we know them. No, they're all sort of a
1: sickly green and purple colour. And uh, where their logos would normally be, they've got skulls.
0: Yeah. Like I kudos to the branding team, because you know, they if I didn't know any better PJ, I'd say this was an evil version of the JLA.
1: It's a very evil version of the JLA. You can also tell because the evil Kyle's hair is very floppy.
0: Yes, he doesn't have the epic curtains that we've come to know and love. Uh and everyone is cast in like a kind of sickly green and purple light, basically.
1: It's unpleasant.
0: Um not Not to say it's not draw, it's drawn
1: beautifully, but it's just the way they've managed to to draw and color it. You just get such a feeling of, ugh, I don't like these characters.
0: They're grotesque, and and, you know. And if proof was ever needed that things are a little off, uh, we then get a splash page of the anti JLA flying through space. I mean, um, Flash and Aquaman and Batman included, not known for their flying. Uh, and they are just kind of like swooping through space towards us as somebody says, activate the revenge squad, please.
1: And behind them is the satellite they've just come out of, which appears to be shaped like a skull.
0: Again, like, I, 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 you know, maybe evil, but I can't fault them for finding an aesthetic and running with it.
1: It's, it, yeah, I mean, it's basically a signpost saying uh, evil people here and um you know if you're going to lean into it just lean into it i say do it oh, go for it are we
0: the bad guys <laughs> okay so um but spinning on from that prologue um well we have a spoilerific uh kind of roll call as you uh, as you put it pj um do you want to skip past that and get straight into the issue
1: yeah cuz there are things that the front of the book gives you that if you were reading this on a month-to-month basis, you wouldn't have seen coming. And so, we're not going to tell you what those things are. We're just going to cut straight to the opening page of JLA Issue Ten now, where we are in Star City,
0: uh, the home of Green Arrow. I would say, yes, the previous yes, Green Arrow, Ol- Oliver, Oliver Queen's home base. Uh, it is a uh, a a calm day, de- a calm morning. Everyone's just going about their business, and suddenly, laser purple laser beams bringing death from on high start raining down on the city, uh, killing people.
1: Yeah, you get um, a guy just being vaporized. You, you see, he's very um, Dalek-esque. If you've seen Doctor Who, when they get shot by that, you suddenly see the skeleton, and that's what happens to this dude. His his top half is suddenly just skeleton and then buildings are being brought down, cars are exploding, there's rubble everywhere. It's very, very quickly become a horrific war zone.
0: Uh, we have the obligatory close-up of a teddy bear in scorched ruins, which is shorthand for bad things are happening, um, and a voice goes, All the good you have done, we will undo all the lives you have saved, we will destroy. All that you stand for, we will mock and trample in the dirks. And as we turn the page, we hear, that's unless you want to try to scop us. And we see the evil league atop a building.
1: It's in a lovely double page spread. Just just one image over the two pages. Beautiful double splash. And um, Batman's got an evil Batplane. plane. Oh, sorry, evil Batman has <laughs> got an evil Batplane. Uh, and they're all—all all of the league really uh, seem to be crackling
0: with this purple energy, and um, they look angry. Yeah, definitely sinister. Um, and I have to say, I kind of feel this is a better introduction to them than the prologue.
1: Yeah, I think I—I th- I don't. It's a thing. I know that in when they at this point when they were releasing trades, it wasn't necessarily expected that people would be buying all of them. Or the these days it would they're numbered, aren't they? So the first release is number one, but these ones don't have numbers on the spines, it's just you're buying a, a story mm-hmm. or a collection of stories. Um so in a way I get why they probably wouldn't want to end a trade on a cliffhanger uh back in the nineties. Because to end American Dreams with that two page introduction to the Revenge
0: Squad would be strange. Um that's a very good point, PJ. I had assumed that yeah, you'd get that kind of collector's mentality, but yeah, it's a fair point. Uh,
1: but at the same time, you're right, this is a better introduction to the Revenge Squad for the beginning of Rock of Ages. So... Because
0: we have no idea I, what's going on. Like, we have no idea, yeah. like, who like who the heck are the, this... Why are the JLA killing people? But, no,
1: but we also, on this page, get the title, which is, again, where things get confusing, because the cover bills it as Rock of Ages Part 1, and then here it says "Rock of Ages," prologue, Genesis, and Revelations. So they've stuck the word Genesis in there as well.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's well, mm, PJ. That's that's a very good point. In, in, interesting. Yeah, I'd never really thought about that, but yes, I can I can hear the opening chords of that song you said playing. <laughs> it's like oh, reference. I get it.
1: Well, because also, I imagine when when we if we flick to the cover gallery, this the cover image of this issue is just a pose of. The evil JLA mirroring the JLA from Secret Files and Origins 1 that would have come out this same month. Um But there's no logo or anything if you flip back in the trade collection. I imagine when you bought the actual book, it had something on the front cover to say as well, that it
0: was a Genesis tie-in. Oh, God, yeah. It'd be like prelude to Genesis or something like that. Yeah. 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 Um There we go. (laughs) I've just, I've just got the shadow of Genesis kind of like looming over me. Like I, I'm personally, I just can't wait to hear your, your your (laughs) tales of distant lands. Um, but as we turn the page, we are suddenly uh, on board the watchtower. On board, Uh, up on the watchtower. It's not a ship. Um, and we have our newest member of the league, Aztec. Uh, and he's watching these terrible events unfold. Uh, on a screen
1: yeah and uh, so he's seeing what's going on in star city but he's also detected something else and he's trying to get john's attention but Jean's busy so aztec tries to repeat himself and Jean quite snarkily says i have super hearing aztec there's no need to
0: repeat yourself <laughs> yeah i can hear like cells dividing like i I, <laughs> I heard you um and interestingly this is our first glimpse at the jla monitor womb which will be um, a recurring architectural feature of, of um, future issues.
1: Yeah, it's basically the place where one or two members of the League can just sort of sit and keep an eye to make sure there's nothing going on that needs the interference of the entire Justice League, so the things that they can't deal with in their solo books.
0: And it's a nice touch that it is uh, apparently fueled by uh, White Martian technology, which the League kind of uh, adopted, shall we say.
1: Well, you know, they had all those White Martian ships just sitting there after they mind wiped all the
0: White Martians, so they might as well make use of them. And John Jean knows how to use them. So that's that's something. Um and uh, yeah, and actually Jean is, you know, trying to focus because uh yeah, they have their 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 attention is being divided. Aztec like, is spotted something weird that they need to be looking into, but John is trying to telepathically communicate their response to what's going on in Star City. And Superman is on the scene.
1: And he's, he's on the scene very quickly because he is electric Superman.
0: Who is the best Superman? Oh, my God, he looks so good. Such a good panel. Um, and also, uh, Jean, I believe, PJ, you said in our previous issue, a previous episode, which, of course, no one got to hear, that this is maybe the first time we see the JLA's telepathic link.
1: Yeah, it's something that's going to, basically just going to become a feature of the book, where every time they go into battle together, the JLA are in telepathic communication with each other, set up by Jean. And it's just a shorthand for avoiding having to have them have radio things in their ears and just have them be able to talk to each other when they're nowhere near each other. It's a device, really, for Morrison to use to have dialogue going on during a fight scene. It works perfectly, it makes sense, and... Um, this is our introduction to it.
0: And you just need John to be there as a kind of psychic switchboard, really? Like, Well, he,
1: he doesn't even need to be there because he's on the moon at the moment and everyone else is, is flying into battle and he's able to just connect them all up. And he, he actually says it's a surface mind tactical contact only. So they can't read each other's thoughts, but they are all in communication with each other.
0: I love I love that. I love the phrasing because it kind of suggests that, yeah, surface level tactical mind contact or whatever it it kind of gives the impression that this is something that martian culture can just do you know
1: yeah i wonder if it's something that we haven't seen but the the league have been sort of practicing with jean uh since they formed in in the intervening weeks just to try and make sure that he sort of suggests look we could do it this way this is a great way to stay in contact in a battle and the league go well okay but it probably took him a little while to get used to it and (laughs) figure it out um
0: I, I was going to say, if it, wasn't, if it wasn't like Psychic Powers, I'd imagine it'd be something that Green Lantern could whip up or something like that. Yeah. Um, and speaking of which, we have uh, Kyle and Batman and Superman all racing onto the scene, and Batman's got his very snazzy Batplane kind of thing. The good Batplane. Yeah. Not the evil Batplane. Not the evil Batplane, which is actually, come to think of it, quite convenient that the evil version of Batman is using the exact same model of spooky bat plane
1: given how many bat planes batman has yeah <laughs> i guess it's so porter didn't get confused
0: and only had to draw the one model i think so i think that's how it probably works <laughs> but it's quite like uh, a... but yeah you go you oh, oh thank you pj that's right i was just gonna say uh batman's packing some heat basically i was gonna say it's quite a chunky bat plane yes. it's got missiles and it stuff. is it's tool it's tooled up because no guns but you know Missiles, air-to-surface missiles are absolutely <laughs> fine. Um, Non-lethal air-to-surface missiles. <laughs> uh, but uh, Kyle is is worried because he's basically saying like, "Hey, like it's good to have you in my head. Like it's cool, we're all here. But like, hey, we are like short on staff right now. Like Wonder Woman's dead. Flash is apparently injured. Like we are." we don't have the manpower and this doesn't really feel like the JLA right now.
1: Yeah. Now flash being injured. We don't, we're not sure yeah, where not that comes in. Um, I don't know what was going on in flash's solo book at this point. I don't know if he'd been injured in that or if they are referring to injuries he sustained in the battle with the key in, uh, the last issue of JLA. Mm-hmm. Um, but flash is injured and not here. Uh, and that's, I'm just going to say now that's going to be forgotten very quickly. He's (laughs) fine in Genesis. He's fine in the next issue of JLA. So I think it was just a way to not have him in this issue and have the league not be at full strength.
0: I mean, he does he does let PJ. He does have a hyper metabolism, you know. Yeah, all right. He's gonna he's gonna get better pretty quickly. Um, Yeah, and and Batman basically goes like, okay, like Batman's like, look, enough talk, kind of just focus. Um, I'll handle the Batplane. Let's nip this in the bud. And Kyle's still a bit like, but I mean, there's only three of us. And Jean basically says, stop thinking at me and go to work, Green Lantern. There are five of us on site. And I love that. Stop thinking at me. (laughs) Jean is snarky in this issue. Do you think it's like it's an additional strain on him? Maybe that's why he's a little kind of short tempered because he's like, look, for God's sake, I'm having to like root so much of your inane thoughts through my brain. (laughs) Please just do the I damn mean, job. Uh, yeah, I mean, we,
1: we both love Kyle, but I can imagine for someone like Jean, who's, who's, who tries to be a very calm, sedate guy, whereas Kyle's imagination is always firing off, I imagine for
0: someone like Jean, having that in his head could be tricky. A living nightmare. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and, and uh, one of the additional bodies on site is Aquaman, who is currently fighting evil Aquaman um, in a shopping mall. He's he's punching him out of the roof, in fact, which is nice. You know, it's it's a nice bit of hyper violence, and I guess uh, he's he's standing in a in a in a fountain in a shopping mall fountain, and I I have to assume that was by choice. You know, he likes being by water. Well, he's he's stronger in the
1: water, isn't he? It's, is he actually land? He... He's not. Yeah, he is. That's part of his powers. That he he's not. I think it's it's something that cause people always compare Aquaman and Submariner, um, but. Aquaman is not as extreme. Like if Submariner is out of water for too long, he he starts to go crazy and then die. Aquaman is okay, but he is stronger if he is in the water.
0: Right. Good. So as long as he's moist, he's yeah, he's 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 generally okay.
1: Yeah. Just just wet him slightly with a sponge and he'll be good. (laughs) Um, Do you think it works if he gets sweaty? That is an excellent question.
0: Can he get? Don't know. Can he get sweaty?
1: what what we need is a sequence of Aquaman doing an exercise routine and then we'll find out A if he sweats and B if uh, if then he's stronger
0: yeah you see if you'd ask me like does comic Aquaman sweat I might wonder no but you can bet your bottom dollar that Jason Momoa sweats oh yeah I think he glistens like he's never not just got like a sheen of, of um, man soup all glistening. over him yeah. <laughs> man soup man soup yeah <laughs>
1: Well, on that lovely image, let's move to
0: the fifth member of the league on site, which Uh, is Connor Hawke, which is a Green Arrow. The new, well, I was going to say our newest member, but no, no, our our penultimately newest member. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, he
1: joined before Aztec, but they're both the new guys.
0: And poor Green Arrow, who is a man who's quite good with a bow and arrow, is having to do something about evil Flash. He's Yeah, he's basically
1: shouting, I can't hit him at super speed. And Aquaman's basically saying, you can do this. So he, he does. He he pauses. He takes, takes stock of the situation, reflects on it. And then he realises that Evil Flash is moving in a pattern. And he fires at where Evil Flash is going to be. And uh, Evil
0: Flash gets an arrow right in the leg. And it's a lovely moment that shows both... You know, Connor freaking out and then kind of like putting his worries behind him to save people. And the, the you know, the camera is kind of like punching in on him as he focuses and focuses to take this shot. And it also shows that this evil version of the JLA might have their powers, but they're definitely not as sharp as our heroes. They don't have the strategy yeah. and the skill.
1: Yeah. So we cut from Evil Flash getting an arrow in him to Aquaman fighting Evil Aquaman again um aquaman realizes that their their constructs that the one he's fighting is learning by imitating his moves and in the background uh we see this lovely
0: panel evil flash just crashing
1: into the bottom of an
0: escalator you see damn it pj you were like when we last recorded this episode in the ghost version of this episode i had never ever ever spotted this yeah and I was hoping I could jump in quickly now to claim it no, for my own. <laughs> no, I wasn't going to let that happen. PJ's—he's he's so eagle-eyed and listening. Like PJ is constantly teaching us things in this show. <laughs> um, but yeah, we have this wonderful background gag where unconscious evil Flash hits the bottom of an escalator, and then in, the, in a few panels' time, we see him at the top of the escalator.
1: Yeah, it's 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 beautiful. And I got to imagine that was
0: that wasn't Morrison. That was Porter just having some fun, and. Uh, I guess we see evil Aquaman maybe, like... I guess he's, like, disintegrating as a good Aquaman tries to telepathically scan him.
1: Yeah, so Aquaman says he's going to try his telepathic probe and evil Aquaman is shouts no and just seems to phase out, I think?
0: I guess that's what's meant to be happening. There's a sound effect. I have to assume yeah. it means something. Um, at the same time, Kyle is fighting... Uh, evil Kyle um, who definitely doesn't have the imagination of Kyle because he's trying to trap him in a green bubble which is basically like a classic Green Lantern move. But Yeah, Kyle doesn't use bubbles. No. Kyle makes a highly elaborate exit door out of a bubble and a kind of bikini clad woman in like a concierge, concierge kind of jacket to open the door and let him through.
1: Yeah. And um. At the same time, Superman realises that the duplicates are made of energy, some kind of coherent light, and Batman says they're holograms. Uh, and then he says, Hard like puppets, I've seen the patent for a holographic construction material called Triplex, but this kind of technology should still be at the blueprint stage. A genius made these, and it looks like a madman's pulling the strings.
0: And that is a wonderful turn of phrase. Like, good work, Batman. Uh, because as he says, a madman... Um, we cut to the evil Batman who is raining destruction down on innocent bystanders and laughing maniacally.
1: He's got the Richter's grin on his face and he is nasty. Could, could it, be
0: anyone, PJ. Could be anyone.
1: It's, yeah, literally, no, lots of people laugh like that with that smile. <laughs> uh,
0: uh, uh, and uh, I guess his laughter is interrupted when a laser blasts shoots through his cockpit narrowly hitting him
1: yeah and then we get the good batplane chasing the evil batplane it's really cool this bit oh, i love it
0: yeah like so so well drawn like proper like bizarre aerial dogfight where they're sh- they're racing between It's like there's a massive hole blown right through a skyscraper like a like a swiss cheese and the two the two batplanes are racing through this hole, like, blasting at each other. It's, it's, it's tremendous.
1: Yeah. And uh, as, as the evil Batplane in the lead flies through the building, our Batman, our favourite Batman... Who art
0: in heaven. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Basically, he's, 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 he's pressing buttons and he's saying he's, he's going to target lasers, he's doing all this fancy doodad stuff. But effectively, <laughs> as they fly out of the building, he shoots down the evil Batplane.
0: Uh, yes. And again, Batman... Not not big on guns, not big on killing, however, is very big on lasering evil holograms to death. Because he's like Well,
1: oh, I think he he he's like, this isn't a living person, I can just shoot it down.
0: And he's like, Finally, I can I can fulfil my bloodlust. <laughs> and we get this incredibly bizarre and amazing panel where the evil slightly purple bat plane smashes into the ground and explodes into a Swarm of yeah. miniature bat planes. Which start yeah. swooping through the air like birds.
1: And we cut to the uh, the evil
0: satellite, presumably. Presumably.
1: Where someone who looks very much like it's probably
0: the Joker. Like it might is screaming might in pain. Potentially be the Joker.
1: He's he's screaming in pain. Someone else is because they they're all wearing this funky headgear with cables coming out of the top, connecting upwards above them. And uh, another figure is is clutching his head saying he knew I felt him in my head, he recognized me.
0: Uh yeah, and the guy who may or may not be the Joker uh rips off his helmet and we see this incredible array of like uh again, these seven mysterious figures sitting around a board table, um which has a big skull on it. Uh someone had to manufacture that, so that's a choice that someone made. Uh, and there's this incredible, like sci-fi device above the table, with all these cables running down into the headsets that each of them are wearing. And there's a real purple light overtone going on here. Like everything is purple. In case you're in any doubt that they are connected to these weird holograms.
1: I think that's because that, you know, if you're going to have evil light, you can't really have black light, so it has to be purple. That's about as close as you
0: can get yes and and you know it just looks cool i guess it certainly it certainly looks evil <laughs> definitely evil
1: um but uh, and figure at the head of the table basically says um that they figured it out so it's all right we've got what we need this is all good
0: yeah because it it kind of looks like things are unraveling a little bit so it's good that he feels he's on top of things because again a few of the people around the table appear to be in pain or struggling or are removing their helmets rather violently. Yeah. Yeah. And back in Star City, uh the downed Batmobile is like kind of just frizzing out and there are and it's just kind of spawning all these diddy little bird bats planes which are swooping through the air um it's quite cute it sounded like a bird surprised you there (laughs) a bird ah (laughs) i have like quite a large window so (laughs) stranger things have happened um and and kyle is just kind of pointing this out from atop a ruined building he's like well that's weird you know just like oh look at that tongues of little bat planes
1: and then superman because he's always he's always teaching us he's superman he's 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 everyone's favorite teacher he says uh, each fragment of a hologram contains all the information of the
0: whole but on a smaller scale so there you go we've all learned something today he's like super i've often thought this pj but superman in many ways is like the pj of the j <laughs> of the jla like always teaching us
1: I mean that is a heck of a compliment and I will take it.
0: Always teaching. And PJ, honestly, if I had a dollar for every time I'd seen you in like a skin tight blue Wongsie you know, possibly crackling with electricity, I mean, honestly, I'd be i I'd be a millionaire.
1: It's my preferred convention outfit.
0: <laughs> I, I like to think of that as your thinking outfit, actually. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I can't think properly unless I'm in my skin tight.
0: I'm kinda of, now, I'm just picturing like um you telling like Lisa going like uh you know if you need me i need to do some serious thinking i'll be in the parlor and then you uh wearing like a skin tight uh superman electric blue superman wongzi smoking a pipe uh maybe kind I of i
1: love that you think i have a parlor
0: i mean you're about to move house pj maybe 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 a
1: parlor is part of that no but i'm thinking we should get an extension built now so that i can
0: have a parlor so you can have that de- you desperately get that thinking space you really <laughs> need <laughs> Now, now I know I need it. I, I need it. I'd like an angry room. <laughs> you know, I like just like, join me in the angry dome so I can just go and, yeah, shout in, in, in private. Um, but, you know, sorry, um, sorry, after that little diversion, um, Superman goes, have you seen my counterpart? And as Kyle is basically going like, nah, but, you know, I took, I took down my evil doppelganger. We see this kind of purple streak of energy racing through the sky towards him.
1: Yeah, and Superman says, "Look, whoever created these hasn't taken into account my new powers. And as evil Superman flies down at them, and Kyle, he's reacting, he's taking cover, he's like, oh no! Superman basically says, hard light or soft, it's still light, and light is still energy. And then there's this beautiful panel of evil Superman just being absorbed into... Our favorite Superman's chest, and he just says, I absorb energy.
0: This might be one of my favorite electric blue Superman
1: panels. I think if it wasn't for those two moments in American Dreams, uh, the the stopping the moon from falling to Earth and then the wrestling the angel. (laughs) Yeah. um, Oh, yeah. Those would be the one every. (laughs) Those those little moments.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's very cool. And again, like another sign of Morrison just having fun with these science powers that Superman has now. And, I don't know, like, maybe just reading, like, an issue of New Scientists, like, every now and then. Like, you don't need a, de- yeah. a degree to come up with some fun stuff here.
1: But also, just the, the surroundings, what's going on around Superman. You've got Kyle taking cover in the background, but then there's a huge explosion of energy coming out of Superman's chest, and you get the massive boom sound effect. You can imagine this was... This was quite of a violent reaction. Uh, and then the purple streak behind evil Superman as he flies down. There's Kirby
0: Crackle in the air. It's it's glorious. It is an absolute joy. And I've got to say, like, Howard Porter doing some amazing work on these pages. Like, yeah, this is among some of my favourite of his work on the series, actually. Like, it's really, really tight at this point. Um, and things are not looking good for the Evil League. In fact, most of them have been taken down. There's only a couple remaining. And yeah, we see Connor having a really bad day yet again.
1: Yeah, he's run out of the mall that he took down Evil Flash in and leading a group of other people out there and saying, everybody head for the... And then he gets struck in the back by a purple energy blast fired by Evil Jean, which yeah. rips apart his quiver.
0: Yeah, and he's now lying on the tarmac, smoke pouring off his quiver... And he's desperately reaching for his arrows, which are kind of like scattered all around him, as evil Wonder Woman and Evil Jean just kind of like rocket down towards him like, like missiles.
1: And uh one bystander who's very close to him just stands there going, help him, somebody
0: help him. It's like, you're right I there, mean, man. You, you yeah, you could you could just pass him an arrow. That's <laughs> uh but then Kyle to the rescue and showing, again, a creative flare, races down and creates a, a green energy arrow, which instantly appears in Connor's kind of bow. And he just lets rip, and it's this beautiful panel of this green energy arrow shooting upwards and then suddenly exploding into hundreds of arrows, like a... Uh, 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 A a volley of arrows. It's it's amazing, and they just tear the hell out of these two evil leaguers. He says on the previous
1: page that he used a plasma spike to fritz out evil Green Lantern, so I imagine that's what he's done here. These many arrows are all little plasma spikes that strike the evil league, and they just, just before they reach Connor, they just fizzle out of existence.
0: And on that note, the it's it's done bj the threat is over they've saved the day yeah and batman yeah. congratulates kyle on his on on quick thinking and kyle is actually like a little taken aback he goes like what i mean oh um thanks i mean uh thanks <laughs> like, yeah i think i think it it probably does take a lot to
1: get batman to give you a compliment if you're on the league so it is a big deal especially for kyle because he knows that it's probably the first compliment Batman's given him that I can think of.
0: Yes. In many ways, like, and I think it takes a lot of the Leaguers a while to realise this, it seems like the biggest compliment Batman can ever pay you is simply just to put up with your presence. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, Batman just would not bother to spend time with you or trust you in battle if he didn't think highly of you. So... Like, Kyle may not even realise it, but I think kind of Batman does think higher of him than, he, than he, he may be aware.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but Kyle needs to be told. And so when he is, he's very grateful and a little surprised.
0: But PJ, but PJ, we cut suddenly to the JLA Watchtower and back into the Monitor Womb. I'm skimming this page. As Tech says there's
1: an energy wave. Jean is like, okay, I'm going to fly out. Jean takes a Martian jump ship and flies away, takes his normal form and goes to look at the energy wave. We'll skip that. We're getting to it.
0: Okay. um, But yeah, the only things you need to know right now are, bullet points, there is a energy wave coming towards Earth, seemingly from all directions. Is that it? So, yeah, back Uh, to Star City. Okay, ignore it. Back to Star City.
1: Uh, and we- connor is angry he's he's basically shouting that it's pointless it's stupid look at all the devastation the deaths he's he's annoyed and he's he's reacting to it and batman just uh, gives him a little points at him and says to the league with a smile on his face remind you of anyone uh
0: yeah and uh, you know i hadn't really uh, twigged at this but they're, the the leaguers are having like a little you know a little chuckle that like uh, oh connor is just like his dad and his dad is was forever pissed off at the failings of the league and every time they fell short. Um, so you've got like a little smile on Batman's face, you've got a little smile on uh, Aquaman's face. At the same time, they are surrounded by traumatized people. Yeah. <laughs> and it maybe seems like a little in bad taste for them to be having like just a tiny little chuckle <laughs> while the yeah, city which burns. You might- Superman does not have a smile on his face. So he acknowledges
1: it. He says he's Ollie's boy alright. But then he goes, But he's right. This has been a disaster.
0: And brings it back to the important thing. Uh yeah, and and Superman is is maybe frustrated by his own performance because he says he's still trying to get used to his new powers and he keeps falling into old patterns. He keeps fighting like he's classic Superman. And he's saying if he if he understood his own powers a bit better. He might be able to track where the holograms came from.
1: And Aquaman says there was something familiar about the mind he touched. Uh, But then Kyle comes back and says, look, there's no sign of any of the bad guys. Aztec's running a scan. Jean's gone into space for some reason. And the Superman says, yeah, telepathic link, remember?
0: I guess the fun thing about this is we are seeing a league which is a little off-its-A game. Like, they are... They've responded to a threat a little too slowly. People have died. They've lost some of their members. There's other stuff going on, which apparently they're just getting a bit kind of distracted by. And yeah, like we're it's quite one thing I quite like about this scene is that we're seeing them just be a little less than amazing. I guess like their Aquaman is basically admits it. He goes, "Look, we." We're just, we're not good right now. Like, we need Wonder Woman and Jean. We need Flash. Like, we're just, we're not at strength.
1: What I've uh, only just noticed about this panel that I didn't even pick up on last week is uh, Green Arrow is still sat on the side of a car, but Howard has drawn a little rain cloud above his head.
0: Yes, I had never noticed that before either. <laughs> um, you see, PJ, it was entirely worth losing that audio so we could do this episode again. And discover the rain cloud. Lovely. Um. And then we get an odd, an odd interaction where a random member of the public rungs up and starts having a go at them. He, he accosts Kyle, basically.
1: Um, he's like, you know, these people here are going to be traumatised and what? You're just going to go back to the moon? And we've got to deal with this. And Kyle says, look, we're trying to do what we can. We're not gods. I'm just a guy with a ring. And this man says, well, give me your ring then.
0: Yeah, he's basically like, well, look, give it to me. I could do a better job. And Kyle just starts getting into, well, mind you, the year was 1997, but essentially he's getting into an internet argument, like, you know, 20 years before this this just became how we communicate. (laughs) We communicate by slagging each other off on Twitter now. Um, And I'd wondered, and I brought this up last time, PJ, and I'm going to bring it up again for the benefit of listeners. I know there was a bit of backlash towards Kyle as a character, the fact. The fan base were thinking, who the hell is this guy? He's no Hal Jordan. And I wonder if this was maybe Morrison doing a bit of like meta storytelling and this was like a this character is meant to be like the audience insert character, slagging off Kyle.
1: Yeah, well, Hal Jordan had been Green Lantern for over thirty years when He died, and it's not like when they killed off Barry Allen and they just they had Kid Flash take over and become the Flash, sort of a natural progression. Yeah, Kyle was a brand new character; he'd never been a sidekick or anything like that. So, you know, Hal Jordan fans reacted, Um, and that's a shame
0: because Kyle is the superior Green Lantern. He he remains he remains my favorite Green Lantern, and for crying out loud, PJ, there are so many Green Lanterns. Yes, too many, I would say. It's getting a bit ridiculous. I feel they've, even in the last year or two, they've introduced, like, two new ones.
1: I am at a point now where I cannot name... Like, I couldn't... There's so many Green Lanterns because they're a core of of policemen. That's fine. But I couldn't even name all the Green Lanterns who just had their own solo book titled Green Lantern at this point. That's, That's where we are. I mean, I
0: get that, like... I get that Earth in the DC universe is meant to be just so problematic like just the most difficult planet in the damn universe. So I mean
1: it's pretty problematic in our universe too.
0: That is that is true. Yeah, it's maybe the most problematic planet that we currently know of in the real world. <laughs> um but I think for the longest time there were like four green lanterns on earth. Yeah. Oh god, what's his name? The first green lantern is it Alan Alan Scott, Scott? yes, Alan Scott, Alan Scott, Hal Jordan, John Stewart, Guy Gardner, Kyle Rayner, yes, and and that was enough. That was enough. Maybe yeah, that was that was already getting to be like quite a few, and now I think there's like seven or eight, like all connected with Earth. Um, But anyway, yeah. So poor Kyle is getting chewed out a bit here, Um, and Superman steps in to basically just be Superman and just be the perfect end to any internet argument.
1: Yeah, he just says, excuse me, sir, this man's needed elsewhere. And then while you have a panel of Batman basically saying, Kyle, look, you you can go into space and try and monitor, analyze, try and figure out where these holograms came from. In the background, you have Superman just stood with his arms folded while this man rants at him.
0: And then in the next panel, we see that it's already been resolved because he's Superman, for crying out loud. And now now this man is politely shaking hands with him.
1: Yep. Yep. Superman is the manager in every call centre who's had to come over (laughs) and take a call on when someone's been shouting at me, me specifically, going, oh, I don't agree with this on the insurance policy. And I've tried to explain it to them and they say, oh, I want to speak to your manager. And then my manager tells them exactly what I just told them and the person goes away happy.
0: Well, Peter, I mean, having recorded like several of these episodes with you now, I mean, the burning question is like, what's what's your problem? Like, why are you just so like aggressive and nasty to people? I mean, have you met people? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they they had it coming, basically. (laughs) Um, So Batman has a theory, and he says, look, these holograms had to be broadcast from somewhere. It kind of makes sense that it would be in orbit. Kyle, you happen to have the only Green Lantern ring in existence. Would you mind just popping into orbit? And I love the very, very, very cool transition where suddenly Kyle is bang on Earth, and then suddenly, whoop, I'm up in orbit with some amazing green energy crackle around him.
1: Well, he's almost got like a two-thirds of the page splash, hasn't he? And it's, uh, yeah, lovely. He's just flying into space, no problem, little smile on his face. He's in his element up here. And he does, he he scans. um, He's right in front of the big skull satellite, but he's saying nothing here. And then you get the same panel again. So showing us Kyle's point of view and the satellite is not
0: there, it's just Kyle and
1: empty space. And he says, weird
0: smell though. (laughs) And because he is in space, in a force field, he can only assume that the smell was because of the Thai food he ate last night.
1: Yeah, I wonder, if you fart in a Green Lantern (laughs) energy field in space and there's nowhere for it to go... You think that the like the green lantern ring would have a self purification thing.
0: Oh my god, yeah. I mean we, we saw in a previous issue of JLA that apparently the green uh, the green plasma siphons off sweat, it regulates temperature, it uh, photosynthesizes oxygen. I can only imagine PJ that it takes farts and, you know, turns that methane and hydrogen sulfide into I don't know some kind of like nourishing wafer. Yeah. Which you can. Exactly. Which you can exactly. In, in, a wafer. Which you, which you can ingest at your leisure, basically.
1: Anyway, we cut to inside the satellite where someone is saying to the bald fellow, Lex Luthor, <laughs> Are you sure he can't see us? And Lex says, Not while our alien friend continues to telepathically reroute all the visual input from our satellite into that area of Green Lantern's heroically miniature brain which handles sent messages. So basically, someone's telepathically removing what kyle is
0: seeing and putting it in his nose yes which is a good psychic thing to do it's quite a clever use of psychicness yeah yeah why not (laughs) why not yeah again just a little creative flair um and luther goes oh i mean it's it's probably luther you know it could could be anyone it, it is it's luther Oh, pj spoilers uh, he goes, he couldn't see us if we stood an inch from his nose and waved a banner in his face, dot, 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 turn the page, Luther in a big evil chair with a skull on it. and a f- He's given himself a throne, let's be honest. It, it might be a throne. Um, and a sinister figure behind him says, with the words, the Injustice Gang is back, written in mile-high neon letters, Luther? Question mark? And Luther just goes precisely and that's mr luther to you don't you forget it <laughs> and again this is this is the weird kind of like juxtaposition between this the weird prologue we had and yeah and how the i guess the injustice gang are presented in this issue because this issue is very much trying to have some mystique as to who they might be
1: Yeah, and I mean, again, the Joker is obvious. He's, there's the smile, you can see the purple gloves here. I guess the other two, if you're not so familiar with the DC universe, because you do only get like a shadow, the shadowy shape of one of them with the shape of his helmet and his collar and some kind of weird trident he's holding. And then another person sort of crackling with energy uh, the other side. And I guess if you don't know the DCU, you might not know who these are. I certainly didn't first time I read it. I hadn't come across these characters before. No, um
0: I have to say I'm a bit of a sucker for well, you know, the superhero tropes. It's like it's an inevitability that you know, uh what's that, like the Pride and Prejudice thing, like a a man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. A a superhero team seven issues into their new run must be in want of an evil team to fight. And I I I love like ooh, ooh. Oh, the shadows are gathering. Who's going to be on the anti-league? It's, that really just ticks all my boxes, basically.
1: It's it's brilliant. it's one of those things that because it's also usually villains that appear in the in the hero solo books, and just seeing them team up like a villain villains from different characters books turning up and teaming up together is always. I mean, it's like when you get you're reading a Batman book and Lex Luthor shows up as a bad guy in that, and you're like, oh oh, this is new, Batman's fighting Lex Luthor. That doesn't normally happen. So when you do get all those villains together, it feels special.
0: Yes. Like, um, and and yeah, and I guess if you were reading and thinking like, okay, so we've got like an uh, an evil version of the League, you could probably start to make these educated guesses as to who might be on the team. Um, yeah. Again, some of that will have to wait for now. Uh, but we do see the... The Evil League, the Revenge Squad holograms, now back in like storage tanks or like tubes, for lack of a better word.
1: Yeah, and uh, one of the members of the Injustice Gang. We only see his hand, so that they're downloading the tactical information on the JLA into the computers. So they, they're basically downloading from the holograms what they've experienced during their fight with the League. And then he also says, "Well, why don't we just kill Greenlands?" And while well, he's he's right there.
0: Yeah, I mean, short-term criminal thinking. He's like, look, let's just let's just take one of them out now. We could. I have a I have a snub-nosed revolver in my hand. I could probably kill him <laughs> right now. <laughs> and Luther's like, no, 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 no. We're doing it right this time. We're playing by my my rules, and this time we will win. So we don't fight them like brawlers. We apply the principles of the boardroom, and we plan we observe so luther is a man of the plan you know he's it took a lot of money to build this satellite it also took a lot of brains to put this plan together essentially the way luther is approaching
1: it is he's doing a corporate takeover of the justice league which is i think a really clever idea because it's something that you assume the league wouldn't be prepared for someone an enemy approaching a fight with them in this manner Um, And he talks about how they're going to destabilise the figureheads, headhunt the up-and-coming hotshots, they've got the element of surprise, and he's also got a fun-looking glowing red rock with a blue flame in its centre.
0: Which looks a bit like a heart, PJ. Yeah, it's got some valves coming off it. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, frankly, I've never made a plan which hasn't involved a heart-shaped rock that glows.
1: I think it's a waste of time if you do make a plan without one, to be honest. Yeah, I don't get out of bed
0: unless someone can present me like a sinister glowing rock. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, um, Luther, with this sinister glowing rock in his hand, just says, prepare for the corporate takeover of the Justice League, which is a hell a, Uh, hell of a setup, I've got to say.
1: It is. It really is. And then we cut to Jean... Flying his spaceship, he finds the energy and starts crying. And okay, no, okay, PJ,
0: come on, just we oh. we can get through this. Just give us, just give us the facts. Uh, like, what's happening? So Jean
1: arrives, uh, and he says he doesn't know what it is, but it's moving faster than he expected. He's broadcasting a visual image, and then he goes quiet. And um, Superman is trying to reach him telepathically, but Jean doesn't respond at first, and. They're getting some static and then John just says I can't think, I can't open fully can't let you feel what I'm feeling no hope, no sense of meaning we're all so alone it's terrible, so terrible it's coming
0: And we turn from that sinister, sinister proclamation, we turn the page (coughs) to see the League back at ground level in Star City just posing basically as Zhang says, it's heading directly towards Earth.
1: And this is a moment that we mentioned on the version you're not going to hear. We're going to mention <laughs> again because it makes no sense. Not, not a lick of the sense. The league on this page is Batman, Aquaman, Green Lantern, Superman and Aztec. Aztec who was in the monitor womb of the Watchtower. Where's Green
0: Arrow? Where's Green Why have they replaced Green Arrow with Aztec on this page? Why couldn't they have? At most, like, it say Aztec got a Quick shuttle down to Earth. No, he teleported. He teleported. Um why couldn't you just have six people on this page? Like, well, I mean, maybe it was the shift change. Because
1: don't they always have they, they they sort of say we've always got to have someone on monitor duty. So maybe the shift ah. change
0: happened and Green Arrow was next up, but at least show it. Otherwise it's just confusing. It doesn't make a lot of sense, to be honest. Um, again, a a, a a strange end to, again, a strange issue, but has some amazing, amazing bits in it.
1: Do you think that's fair? Yeah. I think so, yeah. I think the fight between the League and the Evil League is superb. Every moment in that is brilliant. Whether it's Green Arrow shooting Evil Flash and then Evil Flash slowly moving up the escalator, Aquaman fighting his counterpart, Superman absorbing his, the
0: battle between the bat planes, it's all amazing. Well again, because it's it's a it's a trope isn't it? It's a cliche like the the you know, your heroes fight an evil version of themselves. And again here, quite literally they're they're duplicates, they're absolute copies. and yet it's done in a really creative way. Kind of like Luther said, like they're not just brawling. they're not just punching the crap out of each other. Morrison is finding some very creative ways of them to use their powers.
1: I would say this issue is one of the most fun examples of that trope. It's definitely when you read it, you're just enjoying it. You go along with it and just have fun. It's so good,
0: and I I think again a very fun issue. I I do I do enjoy it, and I th- I think however the bits where it is a little weaker are these again. It's structurally it's these weird other things which are going on in the issue, like. I don't, think, I don't think the trade paperback, including that prologue, actually helps very much. No. I think it would almost no. be better if it didn't exist.
1: I, yeah, I get why they did it, because they're like, we have to print it somewhere, and if we're not putting it in American Dreams, it makes the most sense to put it in the front of Rock of Ages, but yeah, it, it, it almost feels irrelevant.
0: It do- and I think, oddly enough, it actually works against the reveal of the Evil League, Like, I think if you ignore that prologue, it's more shocking to see that the people attacking Star City and killing people are the League, but not as we know them. Um, And then, of course, you've got this weird junk with Jean out in space.
1: Yep. Yeah, you do.
0: Because it kind of hijacks the story, in a way. Like, you... It'd be interesting to think how those pages could have been spent otherwise if they didn't have to be devoted to this weird space mystery, which ultimately doesn't play into the bigger story.
1: Well, that's it. This, this Part one of Rock of Ages ends on a cliffhanger for another story that doesn't get resolved in this book. It just It's just done. That's it. So, and... Yeah,
0: I was going to say, PJ. On that note, is now the time to address the the John Byrne in the room.
1: Oh God. Okay, Genesis. Here we go. So, strap in. First of all, I will tell you that you would think that cliffhanger there for from JLA issue ten would be the big lead in what's going to happen next. Nope. Nope. It's not. Basically. You have one moment in like issue two of Genesis where Jean goes, Oh, so that's what the energy wave I encountered in space that made me cry was. That's it. What, really? That is the only reference to the events of
0: JLA ten, yeah. That's it. So what so so based on that logic, like Jean comes home? Yep, just flies home. And then they're like, Oh, that was weird. And then yep. someone goes, Oh yeah, that that thing you saw, which seemed like it was about to spring into some big kind of like epic inciting incident. Um, that's not part of it at all.
1: Well, it is, but it's the way they deal with that, the way Jean encountered it. it just, it's a throwaway thing. So effectively, Genesis opens with heroes and villains losing their powers or their powers fluctuating in and out. Um, heroes without powers just lose their faith in themselves a bit. And, okay. So it turns out that Earth has been passed by a thing called the God Wave. Now, what it, the God Wave is, is, again, they try to tie it into Jack Kirby's Fourth World and Ooh, sir, really badly. So
0: I, I have a question. Yeah. I've heard about the God Wave before in my extensive research of the DC Universe. Was this the first introduction of it?
1: Uh, I'm not sure, to mm-hmm. be honest. I don't know if maybe it refers to a couple of different things. Um, but in this case, this version of the God Wave, uh, when the world that was there before, which they refer to as the second world, exploded, the power from that explosion radiated through space, through the whole universe as the God Wave. Mm. And everything it touched as it radiated out sort of sowed the spark of divinity And every world it touched, that's where gods would then appear on that world. Yes. Um, And then, so it then starts to come back. It hits the edge of the universe and comes back and is then able to start seeding. Everyone who has superpowers gets their powers from it. The God Wave is the speed force. The God Wave is where the Green Lantern power battery draws its power from. Basically, it's responsible for everyone in the DC universe, and that is an idea that I think is absolutely terrible.
0: That's quite a game-changing kind of story development to drop in the mid-90s. Yeah. You'd kind of feel that, like, this actually is earth-shaking and would probably have influenced every story that would come after it.
1: Yeah. Um, it even inspires those without powers to believe in themselves. and uh, So it's, th- it's responsible for Batman and Green Arrow as well, somehow. It's responsible oh. for everything.
0: I've, n- I've got to yeah. say, this is, a, this is a personal bugbear of mine. You know, like in uh, X-Men comics, uh, they developed, um, you know, the bad guys would have these collars you could put on a mutant and it would suppress their mutant powers? Yeah. And I was like, okay, I can buy that. Because in the X-Men universe, um, all mutant's powers come from the same thing. They have the X gene. So I'd be yeah. like, okay, so it, it, theoretically you could make a thing which would suppress a mutant's power. It's always bugged me when uh, a bad guy or an agency or a some kind of universe just has a generic power-suppressing device. Yep, Because I'm like... There is a world of difference between Kyle Rayner having a power ring, um, you know, Wally having access to the speed force, and Superman just being a Kryptonian. Like, yep. why would one device influence or or shall we say a wave? Why would one thing influence all no, their powers? You don't understand, John. It's because they're demigods,
1: huh? That's it, it made them demigods. That's what it says in the book so bloody stupid um so now the god wave is passing over everything for a third time (laughs) okay right as it heads back towards the source wall where it's gonna go behind the source wall and do something
0: nebulous and never really explained because the book is so badly written because um i'd heard that again pj correct me if i'm wrong but when jack kirby was working on like the new god stuff that's referred to as the Fourth World, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, New Genesis and Apocalypse, the two planets, yeah, are collectively referred to as the Fourth World. Is that correct? Yeah. And I'd heard that Jack Kirby just called it the Fourth World because he thought it sounded cool. Yeah. Now, wasn't like the God Wave later retcon to be some kind of explanation as to why it's the Fourth Wave? Uh, the fourth world
1: i'm it might be i'm not 100 percent sure to be honest it doesn't re- basic genesis is so badly written that it's all really confusing nothing makes any sense in it right um for some reason dark side sends a fleet of ships to earth and then the league have to, and the other heroes have to fight that but then they go to the source wall because the god wave's going in there and then it turns out dark side isn't the bad guy Ares is but he's only in it for like two pages and then everyone believes in themselves and then suddenly everything's fine. And Darkseid is trapped in the source wall. Right. That's it. That's the story of Genesis. Okay. F- now, it's to get into more nitty-gritty, it's so badly written. Like, John Byrne, there's way too many captions in it to start with because he's trying to do the narration in a really portentous, grand... Like epic style, and it just comes across
0: like as if a child was trying to write in an epic way. Can I can I uh, having not read the book, PJ, can I make a wild guess that yep. with all this talk of gogs and demigogs and faith and genesis and whatnot, does this book contain religious overtones or undertones? Um no not really oh really no is it and i mean there's a big thing about like believing in yourself i was wondering if like because that just seems to be a shorthand for me to me that you get very often in stories where like if you want something to feel epic and momentous you start kind of just tapping into this vaguely kind of like biblical god-like world worldview sort of thing
1: look i'll give you this isn't going to be verbatim because i'm I've, I've deleted the comics off my iPad. I'm not reading. <laughs> and I'm not downloading it just for this. But like the story effectively opens with a flash sequence in Keystone. And it says, welcome to this city. This city is Keystone. It is called Keystone for it is in the center. But it is also the key to the beginning of our story. It's like that sort of thing. And it's like, oh, oh shut up, John. <laughs> just shut up. Um, and also, when characters speak, the dialogue is every single piece of dialogue almost is just so expositional there is no character to it at all anyone could be saying almost any of those lines
0: and i think you've got to think i guess thinking about like the era as well the idea that this was like 1997 and you had all these new creators kind of doing things with these characters i mean like for me, and I guess I'm, I'm a little biased because what it, it's what I read at that pivotal point in my life, but like the way Morrison did dialogue felt quite kind of like new and fresh. And yeah. I'm kind of picturing that the storytelling in Genesis might be a little outdated for the time. It's not even
1: that. Even if this story had been done earlier, it would be bad. There's just it, none of it is done well at all. It's not even that Chris Claremont thing where he tries to put too much dialogue on the page because at least when, yeah, 70s and 80s X-Men, there was, there's a lot to read, but you still get differences in the characters. You can still yeah. tell who's speaking for the most part. There's none of that here. It's, it, every piece of dialogue is exposition.
0: And I think you should say that, like, obviously this is John Byrne on art duties, but um, Chris Claremont and John Byrne on that 70s run of X-Men, absolutely fantastic. Well, even John Byrne did some good writing in the
1: 80s on Fantastic Four, Alpha Flight, Superman, um, the post-crisis Superman, where he was the one responsible for everything we sort of knew about Superman to be true in the modern era as part of the the reboot post-crisis. That was John Byrne. Mm -hmm. And those books are are good. They're good to read. But this is just awful. And I'll tell you something else. It fundamentally gets Superman wrong. Interesting. obviously he's energy superman at this point but we have seen superman as energy superman do some amazing things um yes he says he's still trying to fight with his old powers so he's not quite used to it but we know that energy superman is basically as strong as old superman he's just got a different skill set to work with within that yes there are lots of moments in genesis where Superman says, if I had my old powers I could handle this alone, but with these new powers I can't.
0: I don't know what to do. And it's like Really? No, that's wrong. That does sound a little bit like again, and certainly as you said it, like if John Byrne has worked on Superman before, that does feel a little like throwing your toys out of out of the pram a bit. Like yeah. you ruined my Superman. <laughs>
1: yeah, of. it's like the, when the fleet arrives, he's like, "Oh, with my old powers, I could fight these ships on my own, but I can't now." And he's like, "Yeah, you could.
0: You quite easily could. And if Morrison were writing you, you would." And I guess interesting. It's interesting that both what, from what you're saying, Peter, the Genesis story features Dark Side, and then of course Rock of Ages, not not really a spoiler. He's on the cover. Also features Dark Side. And, yeah, possibly, I think, one of the greatest depictions of Darkseid ever in Rock of oh, Ages. he's a
1: wuss. He's a wuss in this. He's pointless. He doesn't have any of the flair or the edge that Darkseid's supposed to have. And i got to be honest, it's not helped by the art. Um, the art is by Ron Wagner, um, who I know I've read other things by, and they, he's been good. He's He's done some good work. But this book is not... It doesn't look good. Darkseid, I think, is the best example of this. He looks weedy.
0: Mm. He looks small and not threatening at all. And it's just... Um... Well, like, I, and again, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but I honestly think that Howard Porter's work on what's coming up in Rock of Ages is some of the best, well, again, best written and I think best artistic depiction of Darkseid to me. Like, I still go back to Rock of Ages and think this is why Darkseid is terrifying.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a moment in Genesis where they're trying to put a team together to go beyond the source wall and try and fight something there. And they're like, well, everyone's powers are in flux. And I was there going, well, they were at the beginning of issue one, but you haven't actually shown that at all since everyone's been fine. And they go, so let's all just draw straws to see who goes. And I'm like, no. Yeah. Wow. Green Lantern creates straws, some of which are shorter than others. And they draw them to decide who goes, and it means that heavy hitters like Superman don't go. And I'm like, no, you would take Superman for that.
0: Why would Superman definitely would? Yeah, why would Superman ever willingly let anyone else put their life on the line? Because they drew straws, John. Again, yeah, yeah. No, it's a very, very Superman thing to do. What, um, What, what is he? What is the fallout of Genesis like? So there are some things
1: that did. Um, stick. So I know Darkseid was in the source wall for a while in the DCU, and that happens at the end of Genesis. So that's something they kept. Also, when Genesis is happening, it was at a time in the comics where um New Genesis and Apocalypse was were merged into one planet and it was sort of split down the middle. Okay. Uh Genesis split them apart again. But I think those are the only two things um that stuck everything because one of the things that and it may not have happened because it's a very poorly done book so i may be making this up but i think at the end of the story uh the high father of new genesis is dead uh but i know that in the next issue of jla he's mentioned as being alive still so
0: right interesting because again um and i i i I, maybe for the benefit i I, i'm going to assume that some of our listeners know about it but in case they don't uh could you describe the source wall because it's a hell of a visual I think it's actually quite a it striking is. idea it's
1: like a a big golden wall that has these huge Jack Kirby designed godlike individuals all trapped in it all sort of in a um <coughs> oh excuse me all sort of in a crucifixion pose with their arms stretched out and they almost look like they've got these looks of terror on their faces and beams of red energy are flying out
0: of their eyes. And it's meant to be like, it's like a, again, just one of those bizarre, amazing, like, mythological concepts. It's the idea that it is like the, it's a physical wall at the edge of the universe. And if I've got this correct, everyone who's imprisoned on the wall is someone who tried to break through, who tried to get to the other side, and their punishment is to, like, Become part of the wall, I guess.
1: Yeah. So at the end of Genesis, Darkseid and Ares are both trapped in it. Okay. Okay. Um, Because he threw, I think he threw Ares in. Oh, Ares is the real villain for like a page only because he was writing Wonder Woman at the time, right? I guess.
0: I guess. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I was hoping there'd be something more shocking or no. I guess, kind of game-changing, but you're saying
1: it's that... a mess. It's just everything about it. It's one of the worst comics I've ever read.
0: And you're saying that DC just kind of quietly swept it under the rug as years went by.
1: Yes. Yeah, I think after fan reaction was so bad, and I can see why, they just decided it never happened. And yeah, there were a couple of events in it that they sort of had to go with, like the Wall and Apocalypse and Eugenesis, but... For the rest of it, like the God wave got ignored, I think, mostly. Um Yeah. yeah.
0: And and then I'm I'm, just... I'm kind of assuming that at the end of it, all the heroes just they go, Oh, I'm feeling better now, and all their powers yeah. kind of just got working. Basically. Basically. Okay. Like <laughs> there's this whole
1: involved sequence of Huntress, Robin, and Catwoman basically trying to fight some criminals in gotham and then they're all on the roof going oh but i've lost faith in myself i can't do it and then at the end they're like oh i've got my faith back i'll go fight these criminals oh, Wave, so that's so
0: that just so that just doesn't make any sense like it's, it's like the sort the the genesis wave would have to have it would have to like be conscious and intelligent and actually just picking the people that it chooses to depower so yeah it's like electricity still works you know, you know, microwaves and, and other white goods are still going to function in your kitchen. Well, but apparently, Robin can't the, kick someone.
1: Yeah, one of the people it does say is not affected, and and this is one of the few things he tries to explain is, um, Supergirl. She's fine. Her powers don't get affected at all. But that's because Supergirl at the time was not Kara Zor El. It was Matrix. And she was from another universe, so it only affects people from that universe. Right.
0: Wow. And that's not the same Supergirl who actually physically became an angel. Or is is, it? It is. It is the same one.
1: Yeah, but it's before that happened. Right.
0: I mean, we could do a whole series on trying to explain the history of Supergirl. Yeah, we could. God, there are going to be so many Supergirls. It's so confusing, PJ. So, um, do you feel it's necessary for anyone to go read Genesis?
1: No. Nope. Okay. I mean, yes, because I don't want to be alone in this. I feel so alone right now. <laughs> I've got to be, you've got to share your pain somehow. <laughs> but oh my god, I cannot recommend reading that book. It is. It is. If you want an example of how not to do comics, yeah, go read Genesis. Wow. It's.
0: It's so awful. So awful. I mean, I kind of want to now. I mean, God, that'd be really confusing if at DC offices they suddenly see, like, a spike in downloads of uh, Genesis, and they're like, wow, did we have it wrong? Like, people are suddenly, like, really digging Genesis.
1: It's the only um, event book from the 90s that DC have never put out a collection of.
0: Interesting. So it only, if it weren't for something like Oh, wait, so did you have to get the individual issues? Could you on Comixology? I got
1: the in- individual issues on Comixology. They are on there. So there's
0: not even like a digital version of the trade because there never was nope. a trade. Never was a trade. Wow. That's bizarre. God, okay. Yeah, it must have really made an impact. Um, okay, well, again, PJ, thank you for, you know, venturing into that dark, kind of seedy underworld of 90s crossovers. You know, I appreciate I your
1: sacrifice didn't read any of the tie-ins don't really care to
0: sure i mean oh god can, can you imagine what a tie-in would be like it would just be like batman feeling a bit sorry for himself for like yeah an exactly and then getting exactly better. yeah okay yeah. well i guess with that in mind pj um we did it we made it we finally recorded well mind you i haven't checked the i'm assuming if the listeners <laughs> are hearing this that we did make it and our audio didn't yeah. die again
1: if not we'll just put out an hour and a half of silence and say that's it yeah no we're done we're not we're not doing this again (laughs)
0: Um, okay so an odd issue with some wonderful moments um, bookended by some very strange editorial things that were going on in the wider DC universe but I guess the good news is is that it's, it's pure rock of ages now going forward like no more distractions
1: yes Oh
0: God, yes, and I love it so much. I am very excited. Um, PJ, is there is there anything left to say? Do you think we've 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 covered everything?
1: Um, yeah, I think that's it. I think we're good.
0: Great. Well, with that in mind, I guess I should say a massive thank you to Gav Mitchell for doing our incredible cover artwork,
1: and to Elliot Red for composing and performing our wonderful theme tune, Justice.
0: And uh, if you've enjoyed you know, hearing PJ and I ramble and you'd like to maybe follow us on those social medias, which I hear are going to be a really kind of just wholesome and encouraging platform for human communication going forward, um, hmm. our details are in the description.
1: And if you do read Genesis, let me know what you think, because,
0: yeah. PJ needs to share your pain. That's how he... I do. That's how his I power grows. I people to share my pain. <laughs> <laughs> well, PJ, with that in mind, it's been an absolute pleasure... Um. thank you for assembling yet again to take another try at getting this cursed episode out <laughs> um, given that you've now had an additional week to think of the perfect sign off could you please do the honours yes screw you John Byrne <laughs>